Tulip Mania. So Tulip Mania was just a pure uh, bubble. I don't think anything came out of that, right? It's just, it was just a tulip bulb that everyone was going crazy over. Well, it, it has an interesting history. Um, again, one of the books you can read to kind of get what everybody knows about the tulip bubble is uh, Popular Delusions and the Madness of Crowds. And I think that's just a chapter in that book. And it's a good chapter. However, it's interesting because that's from reading that is kind of everything I knew about the tulip bubble until I started listening to Craig Wright uh, talk about tulip mania. And one of the reasons why I love Craig and, and he's such a valuable guy to listen to is he frequently has opinions on things that are completely non-standard. And I found that not everything, but almost almost everything he says is not only profound, but probably correct in that this is a guy that takes 80 different papers written on the same thing, reads all 80, and then comes to his own conclusion about the merits of you know five of those 80 papers and puts those together in his mind. And maybe he writes something about it, but maybe he just says, oh, this is what I think actually happened, tulip mania. And it's completely different from, say, the almost textbook-like popular delusions of madness of crowds, which is almost like the authority on this topic, because um, that historian did a lot of research on that. And the cool thing about tulip mania that Craig pointed out was tulips actually had a use, and the use was... People use tulips to create a like a field of dreams around their castle. And this was important in antiquity because if you build a castle, part of the great thing about the castle was you'll, you'll see a lot of them are built on a hill or even a mountain, or they're surrounded by just wide open fields. And why would you want that? Well, imagine your archer, you know, shooting there with his arrows of fire and everything is looking at the opposing enemy that wants to come in and bust through the, the, the gate or the into the castle. They got to figure out some way to get in there. And if you can see them and the, the enemy has no place to hide, uh, then it's really easy. And so, but you got to remember war is only like once every 50 or 20 or 100 years, right? So you're going to sit there and maintain this castle with massive expenses every year of maintaining the outside, the inside, the castle itself, waiting for some war that never seems to happen. And then when you really need it, you need that castle to be into top shape. So one of the things they did to use to save money was they would plant tulips everywhere. And tulips kind of end up crowding out everything else and they don't allow trees to grow very well. And so they wouldn't have to chop down a lot of seedlings all the time. They could plant these tulips in the field and it would basically create like a flat. Now we sort of use grass for this purpose, but they use tulips and it would crowd everything else out and form this beautiful field. So not only was it pleasing to look at, but when you were done with the tulips, there was flat ground and there was no trees, nothing to hide behind. And so they were valued for this reason. And then, of course, in Amsterdam, where sort of the first real stock exchange happened, um, you know, these tulips ended up trading because... The other thing you can do with them is you can kind of genetically manipulate them. And this is really common in Amsterdam. 
people don't realize it, but if you look for wild carrots, which are pretty common everywhere, especially in the United States, there's plenty of them in my fields. Uh, they're white and they're small. And that's not ideal, right? A farmer wants to pull something out of the ground that's going to be juicy and big and filled with calories and nutrients. And you want it to be big and you want it to look attractive so that you want to eat it. So some brilliant Dutch guy just continued matching seeds and it probably took him 50 years maybe uh, to basically create orange voluptuous carrots. And these are the things we know as carrots today. And yet they're nothing like the original carrot plant, which would have been these little thin white roots that look a lot like carrots, but they're just small and they're a color that's not as attractive to the eye. Now we have purple carrots. We have all kinds of different carrots now. But the Dutch farming, farmers perfected these methods of making all these things that we now know today as tomatoes and carrots. And they, they made these cash crops and they were extremely good at it. So tulips was one of them. And they created all these different variants of tulips. And it was sort of like a, an old fashioned version of crypto, what crypto kitties tried to be in the like 2017 with Larva Labs. They tried to create these digital kitties where if you match the male and the female, it forms this completely unique genetic new kitty that may or may not have the features of the parents, just like genetics works. And this tulip mania was sort of like that. So there was these really rare, beautiful ones. And then once you realize that the tulip was beautiful, you could then sell the bulbs because they sort of go back into themselves and the bulbs keep coming back every year for a certain amount of years. And the bulbs are just little nuggets. They're like, um, I mean, I don't know how much gardening you do, but a, a flower bulb sits under the ground the whole year and it sprouts out in spring then dies off and goes back into the ground and the bulb maybe has some babies or whatever. But these bulbs are really easy to, to trade because they just look like um, golf balls, basically. And so tulip mania just became a thing because people went a little bit nuts with it. And as Craig des describes, he basically says, well, the problem wasn't the tulip bulbs themselves because those had actual utility and value. The problem was as they as they went through a little bit of a um you know sort of like a beanie baby craze or an nft craze that got them kind of hot then came the financiers and they started using leverage and loans and derivatives and as soon as they kind of papered up these tulip business and turned it into a derivative business then boom uh you know what became maybe a 1 to 100 move became 100 to like 10,000 move. It got stupid, right? And this is very much like cryptocurrency, right? We had sort of the first move uh, back in like 2011 or 2013, 14. And then the moves kept getting dumber and dumber because we started making more of these things. And then lo and behold, now we have these exchanges like um, uh, uh, we have like something like Tether where they're just manufacturing a, sort of a fake dollar using it to buy Bitcoin. So we have like this in the financial world, what we just call leverage. And now we're in this insane leverage where uh, Sam Bankman-Fried has 25 billion in this fake tether money and tether has 25 billion in the fake tether money. And then you have, um, who's the third guy in this? Oh, Binance has 25 to 90 billion of this nonsense stuff. 
and they just have it go up, right? It's it's a bubble. But the guys who are selling at the top of these prices are probably those three people, right? And so it's this it's this bubble that's created a frenzy of I can make money easily. All I got to do is buy a tulip and then wait for some other idiot to come in behind me and buy it for 10 times the price or even 100, 100% times the price. Uh, and so this make money easy concept happens over and over and over again in history. So all these dot-com companies I saw, it took me five minutes of work to figure out that like 90% of them were the stupidest thing I'd ever seen, like the world's dumbest business. And I could, I could go on with you for two hours and just go after one dumber and, and dumber business model that there was in dot-com in 1999 that were trading in the hundreds of millions. And some of them were trading in the tens of billions and yet they amounted to nothing. And, and among amongst all that noise, the cool thing is there probably is a real concept that's going on that actually makes sense. It's the Amazon business model, the Expedia or Priceline uh, business model of replacing human phone calls to book your airline flight with just a couple of keystrokes to find the cheap prices and the best airline. And these concepts uh, are just repeatable in sort of larger swells of, of the cycle. So dot-com emerged, say, let's say Amazon, Priceline, Google, Facebook. Before that, we had a you know a compute a personal computer craze, and everything went a little nuts in the early '80s. And then when it shook out, kind of what was left was Microsoft, Intel, and Apple. Uh, we had a kind of a corporate version of that, where Oracle and uh, and Dell maybe emerged, or Hewlett Packard emerged out of that. And we have these kind of enormous bubbles, and then everything crashes. Everything goes down 90% and there's dead companies everywhere. And, and out of that death comes two or three or five or a handful of just amazing world-changing companies. And that's been my job is to try and find those five out of a field of thousands. Incredible. Wow. What, what, a, what, a, what an explanation right there. 